in a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars. One oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, this is Patrick Pister, and this show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE and the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. Joining me today is one of our newest podcast uh, hosts, uh, soon-to-be podcast host, Colin. Colin, can you introduce yourself and say hi? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Colin McClellan. I'm a future host on the Oil & Gas Global Network. We're going to be releasing our show here in the next month. I don't want to give out too much information about it. But I've spent the last nine years in the oil business and drilling and completions. Been all over the United States in every field, working rigs and managing projects. So got a keen interest when it comes to safety and got a good show for you guys today. Yeah, so welcome to the podcast family. Thank you. And, uh, We'll put links into everything that you're coming out with in the next month or yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, check it out. It's going to be a good show. Be a awesome. good time. And we have an, another guest today. We have uh, Jack Jackson, Senior Consultant with Safe Start. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So just give us a little start of how you got into the, the safety industry. What was your background and how did you get exactly where you are today? Well, my degree was in um, mechanical technology, but I actually never actually used that degree <laughs> uh, other than jobs that required me to have a degree. So what I did was worked in the automotive industry for almost 20 years, and I got into safety through a process of osmosis. The job was vacated, and we were not going to hire anybody, but the job still had to be done, and I was in operations, and I was asked to do the job. After seeing people get hurt, I realized that I had a passion for trying to keep people safe. And once the job opened up, I, I asked if I could take that job. And then I uh, later moved down to San Antonio to help start the Toyota facility. And that really helped me engage with employees on keeping them safe. And so after my time was up there at the Toyota facility, I uh, started my own safety consulting company. And I've been uh, doing it for 11 years. It'll be 11 years on the 15th of this month. So it's been a long time. Yeah, <laughs> been a long time. I work with uh, several different major companies around the world. I've been to um, seven countries outside of North America and uh, 46 states. Yeah, you said three States. cities you traveled to this week alone, huh? Three cities this week alone. Yeah. I came in here from uh, Virginia. I was in Salt Lake City. <laughs> I spoke at Salt Lake City earlier this week, and then I was a keynote speaker there. And then I spoke at, at Virginia yesterday, and it was an interesting journey to get there, but it was a very good conference that I spoke at. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and we actually met at the IDC Health, Safety, Environment, and Training uh, Conference here in Houston a few weeks back. Yes. Um, and there was a miscommunication on the timing. So I only <laughs> got about you know, 20 minutes of your hour and a half presentation because yeah. you, you got an abbreviated. Well, I had an abbreviated version anyway, initially. I didn't realize it was going to be an abbreviated version until I got there. So they only had me down for 15 minutes, and I'm just getting warmed up in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the topic was good. I mean, you had a catchy title, too. I mean, 10-foot tall and bulletproof, I yes. think, is the moniker of the oil and gas industry. We are 10-foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah, absolutely. But you you really got into the, the mindset behind that kind of attitude and why we need to get away from the habits and, and the way we operate. So can you tell us a little bit about whether it's 10 foot tall and bulletproof or how safe start approaches the changing safety culture. 
Well, I'll start off telling you a little bit about how Safe Start changes the safety culture. Safe Start is an advanced safety awareness process that teaches the individual that they need to be aware when they're in one of these four states, the rushing, the frustration, the fatigue, or complacency. And it helps them to realize, first and foremost, is that most of the time that they've been injured, it was something that they did to themselves. And then we dive in a little bit deeper and we start to look at the injuries that we've had for ourselves. And we realize that those four states were present almost every time, at least one, if not all of the four states were present almost every time you had an accident, error or mistake. And when you get hurt, it was an error or mistake because nobody gets hurt on purpose. All right. So we have them look at those four states, and then we show how those four states can cause you to make four critical errors. Either you have your eyes off, t- off task, your mind's not on task, you lose your balance, traction, grip, or you get in the line of fire. And that helps them recognize what we call the state-to-error risk pattern. A state is always happens before you ever make one of the critical errors. So what we do is use a technique called the critical error reduction technique to help them recognize that these four States cause you to make the the errors, but if number one, if you can self-trigger on that state, you can feel the first three states. Well, and we just did that. You 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 gave me a you know one to ten. How do you feel on each one of these states? And when we got to complacency, I said that uh, I've done this podcasting you know several times. We're into year two now, so uh, my complacency is probably an eight. But as I was saying that, my complacency dropped down because then I started remembering the things that go wrong when I'm complacent. So just acknowledging that I was complacent changed my level of complacency. Exactly. And that's a technique that we use after we teach you the process. That's a technique that supervisor to employee can use to help them recognize the state that they're in. And it's called rate your state. Now, if I had not asked you about those four states, you probably wouldn't have been thinking about them. Yeah. So it's comes so, well, we, And like I said, one of the things that we make sure we don't do is, or that we do do is hit the record button when we actually get on the microphone. Exactly. <laughs> my, uh, my state of awareness, it, it heightens about five minutes into the discussion. I'll start just randomly looking down at the device to make sure it's recording, but it's too late at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And great, Jack. You did a good job. Yeah, we yeah, were all over again. Good warm up. <laughs> One thing I thought was intriguing that we talked about before we started recording, and I want you to share this with the listeners, is the farmer analogy with the bullet and the target. I really like that analogy, and this is what, you know, what Safe Start kind of incorporates in being a very proactive approach to safety. So if you can tell us about that. Well, let me take you back a little bit before that and tell you another reason why I gravitate to Safe Start. Safe Start is based off of stories, and these are stories about incidents that occurred to you. People like to hear stories. Well, when I was growing up, my father and my grandfather never answered any of my questions directly. Whenever I asked them a question, they always had to tell me a story first <laughs> and then they'd ask me what do you think and I'd walk away wondering why did I even bother to ask them a question <laughs> if they were going to make me figure it out on my own right but as I got older I realized something those stories that they told me helped me to retain a lesson that they were trying to teach me absolutely so I like to start off with a story so I tell people the story of traditional safety and to me it looks a little bit like this There's a businessman and he's traveling along this country road. And as he's going along this country road, he sees these signs on a fence post. Every one of these signs has a target on them. And every one of the targets has the bullseye shot dead center. Now, he's amazed by this because he's a bit of a marksman himself. Continually driving down the road, every sign that he sees has a target. Every one of the targets has the bullseye shot dead center. He said, I got to figure out who did that shooting. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because nobody aims for the outside of the target. Everybody aims for the bullseye. bullseye. But how often do you actually hit the bullseye? So he pulls over, sees this farmer, and he asks the farmer, he said, hey, can you tell me who did, who did that shooting on those signs out there? He said, well, I did that shooting. 
He said, well, how did you manage to hit that bullseye dead center like that every single time? So, man, that was easy. He said, you mean to tell me it's easy to hit the bullseye dead center every single time? He said, yeah, if you do it right. He said, all you got to do is take the shot and then draw the target around it. <laughs> that's the trick. You can't miss that way. That you can't miss that way. But in safety, that's exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. Somebody gets hurt, that's us taking a shot. And then the first thing we do is an accident investigation, and we'll look at the rule, and we'll see how the rule was applied, and we'll either modify that rule or we'll create another rule around that one incident. Mm-hmm. Next time somebody gets hurt, same way, we do another accident investigation. We'll look at that modified rule, and we'll modify it again, or we'll make another rule. Yeah, right? It's too late at that point. Somebody already got hurt. Exactly. But as an industry, we're proud of that because we talk – we're not proud of it, but we talk about how all these rules, all these policies and procedures are written in blood. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you're saying. They're written in blood because there was an incident that caused us exactly. to create this ring of – so what's the, what's the opposite of that? How do you Versus how do you being, set up the bullseye and, and make sure you hit the target? Well, I set it up like this. That's a reactive process. What we do is we are more proactive. We look at the reason why this incident occurred and then teach the individual to alert themselves to those things when the injury occurred. Which one of those four states were you in? And so now you start to recognize that, hey, I'm in a bad place right now. And I do another speech called uh, The Bad Side of Town. I'm in a bad place right now. You can feel when you're frustrated. You know, your forehead starts to look like a walnut. You get frowned up. <laughs> you're mad. You can feel that, right? Yep. You can feel when you're in a rush, right? You start to feel that anxiety when you're in a rush, yeah. right? But frustration, that's one that really gets you. It changes your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Frustration does. And you can feel that. That needs to be, when we talk about the term self-trigger, that's what you need to trigger on. The fact that, hey, I'm in one of those four states. I'm in the bad side of town. Now, it's difficult to self-trigger on complacency because complacency creeps up on you over time. After you're doing something repeatedly time after time after time, after a while, you'll start to do things on autopilot. Yeah, right. And that's how complacency slips in on you. Okay? But it's hard to have that self-realization, whether it's complacency or fatigue. You, when you're in the moment, it's hard to step outside of yourself and see that that's affecting you. So is there a tool, a trick to help you stop and identify the you rate your state, I guess? The repetition. And we make it to where you're constantly rating your state, but you're rating it off a feeling that you get. So it's not something that, well, you should have rated your state at this time. It's, no, you're, you know, every 15 minutes, every every jet task, every job, you're just constantly reminding yourself to do that. It becomes a habit for you, just like looking at your phone or looking at your watch. I think, a, I think a big thing, too, with anything in life, if you want to increase your self-awareness in a situation, if you actually take time to start documenting you know, how you're feeling in that moment and actually become self-aware by documentation. And I think that's what we see in some of these safety programs, you know, like stop, you know, the safe, safe stop or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. You know, each organization has each name for the stop cards, but you start bringing awareness to the situations by documenting it. So I think that's a a really good point because doing job risk assessments, you'll list the, the tasks, the hazards, the likelihood, the mitigations you're putting in there. But I have never seen a form where you list your your level of complacency, how confident you are. And and that's exactly what we do. with. But in investigations, you do. You try and figure out where they distracted, where they complacent, but we don't do it on... I haven't seen it done on the yeah, front Yeah, I haven't seen it done on the field, yeah. And see, that's where we're coming in now, where we're integrating it into the things that you already do. So just like I rated your state earlier, Patrick, if you were going to do a job safety analysis sheet and I had those four states on there and you had to rate your own state, it's difficult to be complacent 
and actually check the car when you're involved. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah, I said, like, because JSA has become extremely complacent when you're just pencil whipping the paper. You know, well, yeah, I, this I've, is what we're doing. I've seen them change. Where one, it's you can use a template. Some of them use a template, but then you have to fill out the mitigations. Others I've seen. Here's your blank sheet. You have to write down step by step, which takes a long time. But again, never has been there been any personal insight into how I'm feeling about the job, whether I'm, I'm rushed, I'm complacent, I'm fatigued. Could have had a bad night last night, yeah. argument with your spouse. Yeah. You know, a lot of things that could have played a but factor. A lot of external in factors, but on the yeah. back end, in an investigation, those are the things you the ask. Things Were they distracted? I... Were they fatigued? What what part of their tower, what part of their hitch was it on to? Why we don't do it on the front end is, yeah, it's something that should... Yeah, a lot well, of... That's what we have to start doing because that's, that's the target. Being reactive or proactive. What mm-hmm. we tr- strive to do with Safe Start is to remain proactive. We know these things can happen, and we know they can happen based off past experiences. So we need to start recognizing the hazards. You ever been to the bad side of town? Absolutely. Yeah. When you go to the bad side of town, where's your awareness level? It's heightened. It's, 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 it's heightened yep. because you know you don't want anything to happen to you while you're in the bad side of town. Yeah. Those four states are the bad side of town because most of the time you've been injured, you were in one of those four states when you got injured. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you talk about the four states, it's easy, you know, when your frustration's up, you can feel that. You can feel your blood pressure. You know, me, I can feel my, my face start turning a little red. You know, but Jack brought a little red good point at, at breakfast that even when you're you're frustrated, so having a fight with your wife, it's hard to self-evaluate that I know I'm frustrated is, and I need to stop. It and is. I need to, in the moment, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we were talking about if you're driving on the road and you're fatigued and you're, and you're tired and you start swerving off the side of the road and you hit the little rumble strips on the side, Mm-hmm. And that's a warning to you, like, hey, you're fatigued. Yeah. That should be a trigger for us. To, well, like, maybe and, we like need Jack to pull said, over. It's a trigger, and, but you knew you were tired. Yeah, you, you knew you were you tired going exactly in. Yeah. You started <laughs> exactly. off. We're, and what we're trying to do is, is not wait for that external stimulus. I know that I'm tired right now, so I know I need to stop what I'm doing mm-hmm. and get off the road. Because when those rumble strips stopped you, that was the that was external right stimulus. There, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. If those rumble strips hadn't been there, when you think you would have would have woke up when you may not have ever woke up when you're in the ditch yeah exactly or you may that may have been it that may have been your last nap absolutely you know so what we try to get you to do is when you start to feel that but it takes time and it takes practice it's not something that you can just boom cut on a switch and make it happen so what we do is repetition with those things recognizing those things we give you homework assignments there's five units of the core units of Safe Start. Then there's six what we call extended application units. They're not review units. What they are is an extension to the application. And that helps you reinforce those things. And what I tell people often is that this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Culture change doesn't happen overnight. Whether you got a good culture or a bad culture, it didn't happen overnight. There wasn't one good thing that made you have a good culture. There was repeated good things that made you have a good culture. It wasn't just one bad incident that made you have a bad culture. It was repeated bad things that caused you to have a bad culture. So so talking about culture, I want to get to that. So just starting an initiative like this, identifying these four states, but now you're on downtime or you're at a, at a high rush, it, the entire organization's at a high rush. It's still viewed as a, you're a go-getter if you're, if you're working faster and harder. And if nothing happens, that's great. And you'll get promoted faster. So when you're starting something like this, how do you get an organization to tell their people, say, I don't care if we're on downtime, if it's costing us this much a day, you still need to self-identify in these four areas. How do you get that culture to start to change from your perspective? Now, I'm going to tell you this. What we get it to start changes, we're not going to tell you that you're not going to get in those four states. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you the exact opposite. You're going to get in those four states, but 
If you had to drive through the bad side of town every day to get home, would you still keep your awareness up? I think eventually it'd go it'd go down. It would it? go down, yeah, but the, the more the more yeah. the reason the bad side of town is called the bad side of town is because things repeatedly happen over there. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I fill up my tank before I'm in there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not going through that with an yeah. empty tank. Right. Yeah. You know, because I'm not stopping on the bad side of town. So what we're trying to get you to do is to heighten that awareness whenever you go into that bad side of town, and what we do is repeated events to help you do that. It's just like working out. If you go to the gym, you're not going to work out for 10 hours and then the first time work out for 10 hours and then the next day you're not going back to the gym again. Right, yeah. Okay? It's repeated. If you want results, you got to repeat it. So it's just like a workout. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever read the book The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, but he talks about this exact thing that – Everything that happens to us in life is 100% a result of our actions, whether that's negative or positive. And it's the small actions day in and day out that compound over time to build that positive or negative habit or that positive or negative culture. So it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, Mm -hmm. and it's built up of tiny positive actions that we build up every day. Headed in that direction, the right direction. Yep. And that's what we work and strive to get people to do with the culture change. We want the management to understand it. Sometimes you're going to have to rush. If you guys lived in a rural area and you had a child that got hurt, would you wait for the ambulance or would you take them to the hospital? Take them to the hospital. Are you going to be in a rush? Yep. yep. What should your awareness level be, though? Heightened. Heightened. It should be heightened. So what we're trying to tell you is that it's not that you're not going to get in these states. You're going to get in these states. If you never took Safe Start ever again, those four states are still going to be there. 25 years ago, those four states were there. 25 years from now, those four states are going to be there. If I had you guys put your heads together and say, okay, I want you guys to come up with a master plan, how you never, ever going to be in a rush (laughs) (laughs) working placing again. In five minutes, you'd be frustrated and fatigued. Yeah, just trying to come up with a plan. Well, that's a good point about frustration, too, because the more you get frustrated, the the harder the task becomes, the more frustrated you get. But if you actually stop and slow down and stop rushing, it... It, you haven't really taken away that sense of urgency or that, that, that fatigue or that frustration. You're just aware of it. And exactly. You, and, and for that, let's get through this one part. We're still going to be frustrated. Let's just get through it. You get the job done faster in, exactly. in the long run. Yeah. <laughs> and, Bachelor, you understand that today. But the key is tomorrow will you understand it. We still have that same understanding. Yeah, retaining it. Two weeks from now, we still have that same understanding and realize that, hey, when I get in these states. So what we do is we reinforce those types of behaviors. We talk the difference between some of the other programs. If we reinforce that type of behavior, that positive behavior, now it's going to become a habit or a routine for you to, when I get frustrated, hey, I need to settle down. And Safe Start has actually helped me with that in my personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I used to be a hothead. I tell people, it's OJ, not OJ Simpson, but Old Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and Old Jack was a hothead. And he would get just, man, I would just, no problem for me to go off on you. Didn't hurt my feelings if, you know, if I went off on you, you could cry if you want to. It's up to you. But that's the way I used to react to people. But now I try not to let myself get to that point and I trigger I self trigger on my frustration and the only person that can do that for me is me Mm -hmm. most of the time when you get frustrated you feel it well before you ever react right and you feel it I can't feel the frustration in you I can't feel the frustration in you well, if you start to see it in somebody else, it's probably too, you know, yeah, it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah, it's, it's already too late. It's, just, it's gone on yeah. long enough. It, that you, you're deep in it now. Yeah. Yeah. You need deep in it now. What I like about this conversation on safety is that how it 
dives deep into human psychology because the way that safety is applied and and especially in the oil business is mainly just on external factors like oh you know don't put your 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 finger in this pinch point but why did they put their finger in this pinch point you know were they where were they in their state of mind? Mm-hmm. You know, were they frustrated that day? You know, uh, mad about something that was happening at home that was distracting them and mm-hmm. they weren't thinking clearly. So I think the root of all accidents comes down to the four states. Exactly. So, and, but have you ever heard this been talked about really, you know, deep, a deep conversation about human psychology out in the field? I, I know I haven't. It's and, on in, in an inv- incident investigation, in, in a, sorry, in a, a more of a um, laboratory incident investigation. Because mm-hmm. even when you get out talking to people, it's hard to have a conversation. It's like, how are you feeling that day? Yeah, you feeling all right today, Patrick? Yeah, so you seem a little gets, bothered. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so if you, if you did go out in the field and ask those questions, would it behoove us to ask them before anything happens? Yes. Absolutely. And that's what we're trying to get at. You're asking those but, questions. But I like the repetition too, because we still have pre-tower meetings and we go over the high level jobs that are going to happen. What are the hazards? And even if you're talking about state of mind, like you said, it, are you going to remember it a week from now? Well, are you going to remember it two hours from now when you're deep in the frustration, when the rush is on? Because mm-hmm. when we were talking about it, you were sitting, you were having your coffee, you we were talking about jobs, everybody was calm because you weren't on the clock yet. Mm-hmm. Now you're on the clock. Now you still have to be able to come back to those, that self-awareness. And it's funny you said something, on the clock. That's automatically, if I gave you a task to do and I say, okay, I'm going to time it, what do you automatically do? I got to rush through it. You, you, automa- you automatically rush and say, I'm not going to tell you how long it's, you're going to take to do it, but I'm going to time you. Is the tendency to do it fast first or is the tendency to do it right first? The, my experience exactly. has taught me the, the, the slower I take, I'd rather, I'd rather sit down, understand the task and do it. I know it's going to be faster, but... Ten years ago, that was not me. That was, no, let's do it fast. Get it done. Yeah. Get it done. That's the tendency. And I've long said you could have the best supervisor come out and, and talk to you about what what's your task, what are you doing, how's your awareness. And as they're leaving, if they look down at their watch, for whatever reason, they were checking out if they had something else to do, the employees that are watching him look at his watch, everything you could have just said could have been slow down, take your time. He just looked at his watch. That means yeah. we got to go. Action yeah. speak louder yeah, than words. It, it wasn't intentional. It was just, it could have been just a one-off, mm-hmm. but it's things like that that... And I think that time pressure, at least in my experience in the oil field, is, is one of the biggest ones. And I think it leads to the rest of them. You get more frustrated when you're running out of time. You, you're you complacent because you're you're doing the job you've done every time. So I'm not going to sit down and read the read the procedure. I'm just going to jump into it. Yeah. And the beauty of it is, is that when everybody's speaking the same language, it doesn't seem so intrusive. So, like, if I came to you and I said, um, so uh, in that incident that you had, did you feel any rushing? Huh? Yeah, I did feel rushing because the boss was on me. Mm-hmm. Or did you feel frustrated? No, I wasn't really frustrated other than the fact that the boss was on me. Yeah. You know, so I'm getting you to thinking about those things. Yeah, opening up the conversation exactly. where it's not uncomfortable exactly. to talk about it. Yeah. So you can use it on both sides of that. But the one thing I do want to say, make sure we say about Safe Start, is that Safe Start is a process where it's continuously reinforced, but it's a process that takes time. It's not a, a one and done or five units and done. You have to take all the medicine. Have you guys ever taken a, a Z-Pack yep. Yep. where they give you five days? and It's no good if you only take days. one day, yeah. <laughs> if you take the five days and then the four days, say, man, I feel good. Yeah. And don't take those other three, two, one days? Yeah. Did the medicine do you any good? No. Nope. No. So you got to take the whole package. The whole dosage. Okay. Yeah. And that's the, what I like about the process. The companies that I've seen be most successful with this process is they speak the language all the time. I've seen companies that go in and they start every meeting, regardless whether it's a 
project meeting, accounting meeting, or maintenance meeting, a quality meeting, they start every meeting with a safe start story. Let me ask a little bit more about that because you talked about you work all over the world, you work in all different industries. Is it a cultural trend based on where you are in the world, based on the industry you're on, or is it the the people that you get in there, they either get it or they don't get it? Where do you see the the success and failures in your experience? The biggest The biggest failure, I'll tell you, is when the leadership is not behind the process. Mm-hmm. But here's the so they got a mandate to do something. They're just checking a box. Don't check a box. But the, the leadership actually has to walk the talk. But here's the thing I like about Safe Start. They don't administer it. It works best when the employees administer it. Because it would be unusual for me to see you standing up teaching a class. But when I see my coworkers teaching a class, I'm like, man, wow. He's actually pretty good at this. Because yeah. he's actually sat through a training class and learned how to be a trainer, a safe start trainer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm impressed by it. You may be able to influence John Smith better than I can as a manager. And I knew that I felt like I was a good presenter when I introduced this process at my company. I felt like I was a good presenter, but sometimes they didn't want to hear what Jack had to say. So I actually brought in somebody else from the outside mm-hmm. and they had more of a tendency to listen to what this guy is talking they about. They resonate with them more for exactly. some reason. We talked a little bit about it when the safety guy comes out. It's, all right, yeah, let's what just... What does he want this time? What does he want this time? <laughs> let's just get through this. So I was telling Patrick, you know, if when you're out on a drilling rig in West Texas, you can see a safety man coming from two miles down yeah. the lease road. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, Truck, yeah. Truck's pretty clean. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely the, the cleanest guy out on location and yeah. uh, got the clipboard So you're going to listen to so. what he has to say, but yeah. it's, all right, as soon as he's gone, we're going to go back to doing what we're doing. Versus, like you said, having somebody internal on that crew all right, no, I went through this training. This is what I learned. This is what our whole group can get out of it. Yeah, the the, the safety team, I mean, it, it should be a team. And my experience in the oil field, especially when I first started out roughnecking nine years ago, was the safety guy was kind of an external mm-hmm. factor to our team. We didn't respect him. He came out. It was just negative audits the mm-hmm. whole time, you know, telling us what we we're doing wrong. So why would we have a good relationship with him? But it should be a cultural shift where exactly. you're working. At, I mean, it's in... It's in everybody's best interest for it there to be a safe working environment. And he's and reinforcing so, the positives, not just the negatives. Yeah. You know, if he sees you doing something positive, you know, it reinforces it. Another way we help with Safe Start is that we have the leadership go through a lead, actual leadership training. And one of the best parts about that leadership training that I like is we help them develop questions to ask the employees when they go out to talk to them. And they right. need to make it more of a routine thing mm-hmm. rather than... You know, okay, it's five o'clock on Thursday. I better go see what they're doing out there. It's mm-hmm. my day to go out there. Yeah. But make it, you know, go randomly and go often. Mm-hmm. You know, say, okay, I might be out here at nine o'clock in the morning and you guys are just getting you going good at nine o'clock in the morning. And I come out there and initially you're going to say, man, what does he want? What's he out here for? Yeah. But after a while, it's going to be a more common place for you to see me out there. And I may come and ask you a question that'll spark your thinking. Mm-hmm. How many kids do you have? Got three. Three. Any boys? Got two boys. If you had one of your boys that were going to come out here and work on the oil field and you could only tell them one thing that would keep them safe, what would that be? I'd say <laughs> there's a lot of things I would tell them. First you, of all, you I, I, them one, I, I, I wouldn't want my kid to go work out field. on a rig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my uh, biggest thing is always be aware of your surroundings. Okay. Always have a way out. That's the only thing you could tell them. Not if that's, if that's the, the only one, thing. Yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing. But see, I made you think. 
yeah. about the task. You had to think about it, man. I yeah, can't I did. Tell them. <laughs> yeah. I can, tell I can them. think about 10 things right yeah. off the top of my but head. You can I only want tell to. them yeah. one, which yeah. would yeah. be. That, that'd be it. That exactly. Be aware of your surroundings. So I automatically increased your awareness right there. Yeah. Now I could come and ask you another question. I come and ask you, I'm ask you a question, Patrick. Have you ever been hurt on the job? Yeah. Okay. If you're doing this job today, this job that you're doing right now, what would be the one thing that, that you know that would probably get you today? That would get me hurt today? Mm-hmm. It's not being self-aware. It's putting myself in harm's way. But what, what harm? What hazard? The job I'm doing now, I guess the, the biggest hazard I have is just driving to and, to and from locations. See, he had to think about that. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been thinking about uh-huh. it. And so what we teach the leadership to do. Well, yeah, and when we sat down in this room, the one thing I was thinking about was hit that record hit button. Hit that record button. But that's not the most hazardous thing I have throughout yeah. my day. That No, so what we're doing is, all. what did I tell you at the very beginning? I said Safe Start is a process of advanced safety awareness. What we're trying to do is improve your awareness. Your awareness is improved by communication. The communication, the relationship between employees and leadership are important. They don't just happen. Mm-hmm. They're important, and they have to be constantly reinforced. It has to be a habit for me to come out there and talk to you. Yeah. I mm-hmm. can't just come out there. And I want to give the safety officers a, a little bit of, of help on this because they're, with the amount of paperwork that management tries to push on them, maybe that's why they go out at 5 o'clock every day. They, mm-hmm. they know they can get away from the desk, from the paperwork for that one time. But So you know, if management's listening, they need to help the safety officers exactly. get out off the desk to get out there. Yeah, and, be more proactive. Yeah, so in that's the communication. Yeah. Ask your safety officers, are you, do you have enough time to get out there and, and help and these guys? And give them that time. Yeah. And give them that time. That's what, the, that's what we do. In our, the leadership training is a four-hour training, and we actually have the leadership leadership do what we call a personal action plan you write down a personal action plan of what you're going to do in the next three months to make sure that this process is successful during the rollout of it and then you also write out what are you going to do post rollout you put it in the envelope write your address on it and we give it back to you in two months and when you look at it you ask yourself did i do the things i said i was going to do well, let me back you up on that then. So to help our, our listening audience about when they're thinking about rolling out something like this, what are we looking at? Because the, the easiest thing is safety metrics. Incident rate go down. Is that the kind of goals you're looking at? Or is it more internal, what I can do on a daily basis? How many times I got to the job site? How many? What are these goals trying to come? Well, the ultimate goal is to reduce the number of injuries that you have. Reduce the number of injuries and reduce the number of incidents that you have. Now, every incident doesn't result in an injury. Right. But in every incident that you have, nine times out of ten, one of these four states are there. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to increase that awareness. But one of the byproducts of Safe Start is you're going to start to see your near-miss reporting go up. And it's based off of what we asked them to do with the second critical error reduction technique, which is to analyze your close calls and small errors to prevent agonizing over the big ones. We hand out a CERT practice card. Each one of these cards are represented by each one of the four certs, and you're tasked with doing this as homework in between the units. So if I got a class of 50 people, and I'll give each one of these 50 people a card, and I want you to fill this out and tell me the next time you have a close call, I want you to fill the card out. Tell me what state you're in, what critical error you committed, and which critical error reduction technique could have prevented it from a reoccurring, I want you to fill that card out. Now, in the past, we may have had a near-miss reporting process, but we didn't actually give them a card. We waited for them to come and ask for a card. I mean, or, or the observation cards are external. I have to fill out a card on a conversation I have with you 
but I'm not recording your state. You know, tell me what your, your state when you were here. And again, I haven't seen it on job risk assessments. I haven't seen it on observation cards. And see, Safe Start, that's what we do. We have examples of a company that have used it in their job safety analysis, and they've used it very well in their job safety analysis. They've also used it in their response. Now, I'm not going to knock response because we do still have to have response and be reactive to issues when they do occur. But it would reduce the number of responses that we'd have to have if we were more proactive. Right. Okay. Okay. And the, the the third critical area reduction technique that I haven't touched on much is to look at other people. And we use, we use that looking at other people to ask ourselves, are we doing some things that may be a little bit risky? Because you think about this. And when you drive home today, if you looked and you could actually if write down how many different things do you see people doing Inside of their car that takes their awareness off of the road. Oh, man. How long a list do you think you'd have? A very long one. Whole notebook. Okay. Okay. And then after you had that whole notebook full of all these things you see other people doing that distract them on the road, then go and look at that list and ask yourself, do I do any of those things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was offshore, we we had a lot of cards were coming in. People were sliding down the handrails. That was when we still used those red dot gloves. Yeah. Yeah, You can slide down them. Yeah. Yeah. The the tougher gloves they have now, you can't really slide down handrails. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> How do we stop you from doing that? And I said, well, you can identify the people who are doing it. How? We're getting an observation card. No one's putting names on it. I was like, the red dots. I, I said, because the red dots right here on the outside of your palm are worn down. And I held my hand up. And I said, this is telling me, telling you that that person sliding down the handrails. It's, it's, so I could, I could identify it in somebody else. Like, I know you slide down the handrails because yeah. I got the same. One, uh, going back to leadership, when we were looking through your presentation earlier, one story that you told that kind of really opened my eyes was talking about my children. And you said, what do my children say when they when they get hurt? And it's usually, Daddy, I hurt myself. And I they have myself. they have a lot of self awareness that if they get hurt, it's a hundred percent you know their responsibility that they got hurt. But then if I'm coming down the stairs and I step on one of my kids' Legos, I'm saying you know who the hell put these Legos here? <laughs> and I'll, automatically, I'm I'm passing off blame, the blame. And blame yeah, and, and they're and the, the people that look up to me are watching me do that, and it starts to create a, a culture of we're not taking responsibility for our own safety. So that kind of opened up my eyes because I'm definitely guilty of doing that, especially around my kids. Exactly. And yeah. so I'm g- going to make a, a concentrated effort to. Stop you have to that. because uh, we instill that ten foot tall and bulletproof mentality in them. They're not born with it. Mm-hmm. We're born. We're born. We're born taking responsibility when we hurt ourselves because we don't know we can blame somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Until we show our kids it's okay to blame somebody else when we step on well, the toilet. Well, and because yeah, my four-year-old, as soon as I who put this here, yep. she'll blame it on the two-year-old who's yep. grasping the English language is still working. He's like, yeah. mm-hmm. I, think, I think Randy did it. It's like he well, can't. <laughs> he can't defend himself. Yeah, it's like, it's like, that's, I, that's the easy blame, right? Done that. Yep. But, <laughs> Oh, All right, man. so uh, we're getting close to the end. Um, so I want to do the Red Wing safety tip of the week. And, Jack, we always give that to our guests. Do you have okay. a, a Red Wing safety tip that can keep somebody safe out on the job? Well, the one thing I think about with any job, any industry that you're in, we all do some things that are risque. Sometimes the job requires it. Sometimes it doesn't. But the one question I always want to ask is what my daddy used to ask me after I got in trouble. And of course, he would punish me. And then he'd come and he'd want to talk. And he would ask me, was it worth it? So before you ever take a risk of any kind, whether it's driving, whether it's crossing the street, you got to ask yourself, is the risk worth the reward? And oftentimes, I think it happens that we don't ask that question. We may do these deliberate acts repeatedly, time and time again. 
without anything happening. But if you ask yourself each time you did it, is the risk worth the reward? I'd be willing to bet you do it a lot less. I like that because we do ask the, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. The follow-up question is then, would it be worth it? If that if that happened, whatever mm-hmm. you're about to do, would that be worth it? Would it be worth it? So yeah, we, we've, we're already on that habit of asking what's the worst that could happen. With it, the follow-up is internalizing, would it have been worth it for me to do that? I, I like that. Yeah. Well, the risk worth the reward. You think about it. Okay, I'm looking at this text me. I hear this ding while I'm driving. And then I heard it ding again. Man, somebody's trying to get a hold of me. I need to look at this. I need it, you didn't just look at it. The cell phone didn't turn over and show himself to you. No, you deliberately <laughs> picked action. that cell yeah. phone up yeah. and picked and looked at it. And then you look at it and said, okay, bring home milk. And then you get in the wreck. You gotta ask yourself, was that wreck worth the milk? Or no. you've got the holder set up to face you. You, exactly. set, you set it up so as soon as that ding goes off, you can look over it. Yeah. You have to say that there's no milk that's worth a car wreck. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think it was a great safety tip. That was and great. Um, so we give away. That's onto the um, our bag. Red Wing gives away. You see that Jackar bag yeah. over there? Uh-huh. That's nice. the Red Wing offshore bag. They give away one a week. You can go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. That's redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. The official site for rules and details. And Jack, you should go on and, and enter to win. I'll do that. As well. <laughs> I'll do that. So this has been a really great conversation. Jack, thanks for having you on. I think we could talk for another hour or two. I mean, we, oh, yeah. we already had an hour conversation <laughs> at breakfast. And yeah. So I think we need to get you back on the show to talk about. I think I want to get into the the metrics, how your past success, how companies that have implemented this have changed. Because I can already see... Oh yeah, the benefits of it, but I think next time we can get into the, the we can do that. It's very, yeah, very, sure. very powerful program. The pro safe start process is a process that I have seen work wonders at companies. I've actually seen it change people's lives. We do a testimonial where people give people an opportunity for testimony, and I've had so many people tell me, "Hey, man, it, it changed my life." Hey, if you can positively affect people's lives like that, that's and not awesome. just your workers, your family members yep. too. Okay. Absolutely. So where can people go to find out more about Safe Start? You want to find out more about Safe Start, you go to www.safestart.com. And you've got a bunch of webinars and videos and things on there. Webinars, so. videos, contacts. You have a list of our workshops that are available to you. It's a wealth of knowledge on there, but it will get you intrigued to be interested in coming and seeing perhaps one of our workshops or having someone give you a call and give you a deep overview of what Safe Start is about. Great. Okay, excellent. And people want to find out more about you, where, where's the best place to reach out? LinkedIn or email? Or LinkedIn. Whatever. I have a LinkedIn page. I, I, I do write a Twitter post on ZionJackson.com. Zion Jackson, at Zion Jackson, I'm sorry. That's my Twitter page. I do write a post there try to do it daily being that i'm a traveling man uh, sometimes <laughs> i don't get the opportunity to to hit it daily but i do do and that never while driving never while driving <laughs> and those that know me well they know i don't like to drive so i used to love to but now i'm i kind of got spoiled on the flying i told yeah. people like, <laughs> i like I, the story where you had now to el paso yeah. so how, how far it was turn around, turn around to the airport. Airport. <laughs> i tell people i wouldn't even drive to the airport if i had a plane yeah. <laughs> just take right off yeah, from the front yeah. yard, huh? <laughs> drop me off at the airport oh, awesome well, thanks for being on the show and just to cover a couple of the events we have coming up we've got the bpms 150 the beginning of april International Conference on Petroleum and Petrochemical Technology, the end of April in Boston. I'm not sure we're going to get up there. That was on our list. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a live event coming at the end of March. It's still yeah, working it, on the details. Yeah, it's going to be at the end of the month, the uh, OGGN happy hour. So we're going to have it at the WeWork Galleria yeah, we, location. With it's going to be the last week. Be, last yeah. week of every month. We'll try and figure out the date, but yeah, at the WeWork office yeah. in the gallery yeah. here. Yeah, we'll have the details locked down pretty soon. Awesome. Well, uh, Jack and Colin, you know, thank you all for both being on the show. Hey, thank you. All right, thank you. On, man. All right. All right. Y'all be Bye-bye. safe out there. Tune in next.
next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and beyond. In the field was not actually a field job. It was a break time incident. I had an employee that was sitting outside at the smoker's hut, and we had these wooden picnic benches. And a female came and asked, scoot over and let me sit down. Well, when he scooted over like this to sit down, he ran three inches of a four-inch splinter in his butt. Oh, man. <laughs> That's and terrible. Being the safety officer, it's not really thrilling to look at another man's butt and try to pull a splinter. splinter out of it. I tried with, first of all, with a pair of tweezers, and I realized I wouldn't get nowhere. Then I got a pair of wire pliers, and he was screaming so bad that we ended up having to take him to the emergency room, and it had to be surgically removed. Wow, man. Well, not, they didn't put it right, together, yeah, yeah. but they deadened the area, yeah. and it was three inches of a four-inch splinter went into his butt. Jeez. Man. Because he scooted over so fast, and he yeah. was a heavier guy, Ugh. and man, it's probably, I mean, this is one of those incidents, it wasn't an it was it was an, a recordable, obviously, but it was one of the most freakish recordables I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. What's the action plan? Did you change the benches? So they're not wood anymore. Yeah. You, then we go to that press gonna, that press plastic or whatever. Yeah, it if is. you're gonna scoot over, please stand up. So yeah. Sidestep. Yeah. But you knew everybody knew that that wood splintered after yeah. being weathered like that. Yeah. So, you, like I said, you know the hazard exists, but you're not thinking about it at the time. Yeah. Okay. I know the knife is sharp. But I'm not thinking about cutting myself. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, he knew the hazard existed, but, and I won't give his name in case he's listening. But <laughs> that was uh, that was one of those freak incidents. I did have an accident. His buddies know about it. It was like, oh, oh yeah. That was, yeah, I know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> Jack was talking about you on the radio the other day. Yeah. But the uh, the other one that I had was the incident that I reflect in my ten foot tall and bulletproof presentation of the guy that got smashed underneath a dock plate where he was not using the standard uh, lockout tag out for that piece of equipment. But what instead he did was he propped up part of his rack system he had built on the back of his pickup truck, trying to take a shortcut is what he was doing. And he ended up being injured as a result of that severely injured, life-changing injury. It wasn't a fatality, but it was uh, one of the freakiest things I've ever seen in my life. And I say it was just the grace of God that he survived that because he was he was messed up pretty bad. And it happened uh nineteen ninety-three and I can remember it like it happened last night. Yeah, yeah. That's, it, it can happen to you, don't think it can. It, it can happen to you, yeah. We often say, you know, that's not gonna happen to me until it happens.